The Jose Gonzalez Show begins now. leader in Fresno 1430 ESPN and for the second technically the fourth time today I say good morning but it's good afternoon live from the meat market here today until two o'clock it is a little windy but that does not change the fact that we have your opportunity to win some San Jose Sharks tickets and obviously you can take advantage of the Tuesday deal which is tri-tip Tuesday $29.99 a large tri-tip a two-liter Pepsi as well as a large side. So you get more than enough food here at Tri-Tip Tuesday live at the meat market. We dusted off the open from last year for you because we're like, we can't we can't play. We can't play the open from this morning. We got to do something different. So, of course, we dust that off for you guys here today as we enter technically hour number four of the Jose Gonzalez Show um, on 1430 ESPN. Coming up at 2 o'clock at Sportsline, the Bulldog Hour with the man, Tony D. He joins you all the way to 3 o'clock. Then at 3 o'clock, it is home field advantage with the Gabe Camarillo. So make sure to tune in for uh, that. As I always do, I remind you to go and follow us on social media at 1430 ESPN on Twitter. That's X on Instagram, on Facebook, as well as YouTube. Anywhere you can find social media, you can find 1430 ESPN. Also, go and download the app, 1430 ESPN Fresno, App Store, Google Play Store. You just got to look us up. You download the app, and on the app, very easy. On the app, you can send voice text messages. You can send um, text messages, normal text messages, not just voice, but normal text messages. You can also um, set an alarm, do all those things on the app. So go ahead and listen live, check out the podcast all on the app. You can also do that on the website, 1430ESPNFresno.com. When you go to the website, we want you to hover over the podcast tab. You'll see that drop down come down. You'll see the Jose Gonzalez show right there. Then following that, you'll see Sportsline, the Bulldog Gower. Following that, you'll see Home Field Advantage with Gabe Camarillo. Following that, you'll see Inside the Patch with Gnarly Charlie. He's on your radios every Friday beginning at 4 p.m. And on Saturdays, you'll see Central Valley Sports Report with Paul Metters. He is live from First String Sports. And you can check out his podcast on the website as well. Um, and very, very grateful for all of you that do exactly that. Hour number one of the Jose Gonzalez Show is brought to you in part by Helen Agra Enterprises, LLC, the Valley's foremost economic solutions provider. All right. So here on the show this time, 
We're going to have your fresh headlines again. It's actually a totally new set of a fresh baked headlines today. So fresh headlines coming up first, second after that. We'll talk home team headlines earlier in the show, earlier today at 7 a.m. I gave you a little bit of home team headlines. I talked about the Las Vegas Raiders, a little bit about Antonio Pierce today on this one in this afternoon. We will dive into Raiders a little bit. Then we'll go back and talk, uh, talk about the San Francisco 49ers. I want to talk a little bit about Debo Samuel and Kyle Shanahan here in this go-around. We have the Los Angeles Lakers. They lost to the New York Knicks last night. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, as well. And then finish off with our conversation of Fresno State. I uh, had a lot to say earlier today. I'll uh, give you a uh, Cliff Notes version of the uh, hour number two version and uh, we'll talk a little Fresno State to end hour one. Then we head to hour number two. In hour number two, we're going to replay our conversation with Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47. She joined us in hour number three today, and it was a great conversation. We talked about Fresno State and their bowl game in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We talked about um, the... Uh, the NFL, we, we talked a little Major League Baseball. We went a little bit of everywhere with Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47. And as mentioned, she joined the show earlier today. We'll have that in hour number two. And then at the end of the show, we're going to talk a little NFL as well, probably with our guy uh, Joe or and Jorge in studios in hour number two to finish off the conversation. And then we will hand you off to Sportsline, the Bulldog Gower, with the man Tony D. So, that is all coming your way, and uh, it is all coming your way here soon. And as a reminder, we are live from the meat market here today on Alluvial here in Fresno, California. And uh, here on Alluvial and uh, 454 West Alluvial Avenue, and it is Tri-Tip Tuesday. Tri-Tip Tuesday, where... You obviously, you get a large tri-tip, you get a large side, you get a two-liter Pepsi, and you are golden. You're good to go. That is dinner for tonight. That might be lunch uh, for you and your crew. Uh, so come on out here to the meat market and give it a try. If you are saying, you know, Gonzo, I'm okay. I'm okay with a already-made tri-tip and doing all. I, I want to make the tri-tip myself. You can do that as well. You can also come in to the... Um, to the grocery store side, the meat market side, and you can see the 100 feet of meat that they have there. When you walk up, you're going to see all of the tomahawk steaks, the sirloins. Um, you, you, you will also see the uh, boneless, skinless chicken brass. You, you, you'll see a, a little bit of everything. They have marinated stuff that you can try out uh, here, and uh, obviously um, it is a great great place to give some spices a try some sauces a try you can even get an adult beverage and take it home and have yourself a nice evening with the wife or with the husband uh, just or with the family it doesn't matter you can come on out here give it a try again 454 west alluvial avenue here in fresno california live at the meat market we are here until two o'clock we have your opportunity to win some san jose sharks tickets um and it is a family four-pack of San Jose Shark tickets. So we can give you an opportunity to go on out there to San Jose and check out the Sharks at the SAP Center. Um, and uh, uh, they are there through, I think, a couple more times this um, this year. And then uh, still some time later on um, as the season turns over to 2024 in the NHL. So 
Uh, come on out here, give it a try, and uh, we are appreciative of all of you. The current temperature in the city of Fresno, it is currently 65 uh, degrees. The expected high today is 65 with an overnight low of 56 degrees. So not a lot of change in temperatures uh, tonight. 64 degrees expected tomorrow. Thursday, 61 degrees. Currently in Visalia, you see 62 degrees, 64 the expected high there. Very cloudy in Visalia currently with an overnight low of 52 degrees. Merced currently seeing a uh, currently seeing their high already, 66 degrees. Uh, the current temperature in Merced with an overnight low of 55 uh, degrees in Bakersfield. Currently 64 degrees, 67 the expected high there with an overnight low of 51 uh, degrees. Here in the city of Fresno, you can expect some rain here in the next couple of hours as well as in through the evening and early tomorrow morning. And then Thursday, a small chance of rain coming into the San Joaquin Valley. So just uh, just a little FYI on that front. And again, currently in Fresno, 65 degrees. Every weather report is brought to you by our friends at Lee's Air Plumbing and Heating. If you have an AC heater unit issue, you got maintenance that needs to get done, you call our friends at Lee's Air Plumbing and Heating. They have got you uh, covered. So there you go on the, the weather front as we give a quick look at the CHP traffic report. Um, there are currently no major accidents on any of the major roadways to report. Um, so we are clean there as well. Okay, reminder, coming up here in hour number one, we got your fresh headlines of the day coming up very shortly. And then bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to you about our home team headlines. We'll talk a little bit about the Las Vegas Raiders, Antonio Pierce. Um, should he continue? That's that's the real question that I have for all of you guys. Should Antonio Pierce continue as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders when the season comes to an end? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Debo Samuel and Kyle Shanahan. I want to talk about those two guys as well as the receiving room of the San Francisco 49ers. We'll talk a little bit of the Los Angeles Lakers. As mentioned, they lost yesterday to the New York Knicks. Is there a Laker problem? Did they put too much emphasis did they put too much focus did they just zone in too much on the in-season tournament and now they are bearing the fruits of competing all too early so we'll talk about that as well here to uh, the bottom of the hour and then as mentioned hour number two we have angelique martinez kc24 cbs 47 joining rejoining the show and then bottom of the hour there we're going to finish off with some uh with some nfl uh discussion so just want to remind you on that. And once again, for the final time um, here before we get you to fresh headlines, we are live at the meat market, 454 West Alluvial Avenue here in Fresno, California. So come on out, and uh, we appreciate all of you. With that being said, coming up next, it is the fresh headlines of the day on this beautiful fri uh, Tuesday afternoon in Fresno, California. You're listening to the Jose Gonzalez Show. Live from uh, the meat market here today, 454 West Louisville Avenue in Fresno, California. Come on out and try the Tri-Tip Tuesday special, $29.99. It's a large Tri-Tip, a large side, 
and a two-liter Pepsi that you will take with you. And it is definitely big enough and good enough to feed four. Um, if, if you want to stretch it, feed five, six, you, you definitely can try. Um, it is a lot of tri-tip, I will say. I've given it a try myself. Now, I definitely enjoy the tri-tip burritos here as well. Those are phenomenal. The tri-tip sandwich, you want to give that a try. Maybe you say, hey, Gonzo, I don't want a $29.99 deal. That's an amazing deal, but I, I just I don't, I don't want it. You can come and give the ribeye sand sandwich a try. It is, I'm told, very good. I have not tried it, but uh, I know multiple people in the office that have tried it. Um, the rice pilaf is Joe's favorite as well um so not just the the main courses the sides are very good come on out to the meat market 454 west alluvial avenue here in fresno california what about the hundred feet of meat okay <laughs> now the first time they told me that i had not actually gone inside the meat market i had been outside various times but i actually hadn't walked in and then i understood what they mean by that there is marinated meat that you can give a try in different spices different um you have Chipotle style, you have a, a sweeter style of marinade, you have a, a spicier style of marinade. You, you can give it a try here. You can also maybe go and, and get your own spices and build your own concoction of marinade or just spices and rub or whatever you uh, would like. They have a great selection of spices, a great selection of sauces here at the meat market uh, as well. And uh, if you're in a pinch, you can also get your produce as, as well. So a lot that you can get here at the meat market, 454 West Saluvial Avenue in Fresno, California. Uh, again, we are here till 2 o'clock, and then we'll hand it off to Sportsline, the Bulldog Gower, with the man Tony D, and he'll hand it off to Gabe Camarillo, home field advantage. And, of course, um, we will then get to the rest of our programming for the day. All right, with all of that being said, and after getting through that there, it is a beautiful day and a beautiful Tuesday. It is a little warm um, and also windy. So go figure on that front. It feels a little warm, but also uh, also a little windy. So we still remind you, come on out here for the San Jose Sharks tickets. All right, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee Show tonight. Um, speaking with Pat McAfee, um, he goes on and says, uh, well, he indicated that he isn't going to play again this season, but he intends to play in 2024 and beyond. Um, Rogers on the Pat McAfee show said a return to action would have been a, quote, an absolute no-brainer, end quote, for a playoff game, but the Jets were eliminated from postseason contention on Sunday and then cemented Rogers' decision. Quote, if I was 100% today, I'd definitely be pushing to play. But the fact is, I'm not. And, quote, Rodgers underwent surgery on September 13th, um, and he said, quote, it was unrealistic to think uh, that I would be 100% to be medically cleared at any point during the regular season, end quote. Um, Rodgers' 21-day practice window closes tomorrow, and if the Jets don't activate him, it means the Aaron Rodgers will remain on the injured reserve for the final three weeks of the NFL season. Um, the Maryland Terps quarterback, Talua Tungavailoa, um, has opted out of playing in the Music City Bowl. Um, he is leaving Maryland as one of their best quarterbacks of all time. He is the Big Ten's all-time passing leader, and he's opting to 
um, not playing the bowl game in order to begin his preparations for the NFL draft. And uh, Tagovailoa makes the decision to prepare. And, hey, look, I know a lot of us love to criticize these young men's decision uh, to not put their bodies on the line in order to almost guarantee themselves some money at the next level. Now, obviously, NIL has changed that part of the conversation just a tad bit, but it still reigns true. If you're Tunga Vailoa, why are you going to put yourself in a situation to get hurt in a bowl game where you're not getting paid instead of preparing for an NFL draft where, in reality, that is where you're going to make your bang for your buck? Um, so Tunga Vailoa, the Maryland quarterback, is going to uh, not, not play um, in the bowl game. Jake Paul um, is set to partner with USA Boxing ahead of the Paris Olympics. And I know, I I read that headline, and I instantly said, no way is Jake Paul going to be competing. I just could not fathom that because, obviously, he's a professional. He's not an amateur. And so that's the first thing that came into my mind. Well, um, it is not in a boxing capacity, um, but he is joining the team and Paul is going to be traveling to the U- to the U.S. Olympic Training Center in Colorado and the Olympics with the boxing national team and essentially cover what they were doing on his social media channels with the hope of building awareness and growing popularity for the team, specifically um, amateur boxing in general. In addition, Paul will advise athletes on how to grow their own brands. Um, Mike uh, Mechty the executive director of USA Boxing, said in a statement, quote, Within just three years of becoming a professional boxer, Jake Paul has become a standout inspiration to younger generations and has emerged as one of the most exciting, influential figures in boxing history. Jake's mentorship will be a vital source to the young athletes on Team USA to ensure they capitalize on building brand IP as they get to the opportunity to perform on the biggest stage in the world at the most iconic contest in the history, and that is the Olympics, end quote. Um, And, you know, at first... I think I had the same reaction that maybe a lot of you Jake Paul haters had. Because, I, look, I'm not a hater. I'm also not someone that entertains the thought of a Jake Paul. I'm not going to spend big bucks to watch Jake Paul fight. I will do that when he has 15, 20 professional bouts under his, ba- uh, 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 under his belt. And, uh, obviously, he is fighting better opponents. Right now, what is he, what, he hasn't fought. Um, anybody and and obviously I'm not going to go after him for that because who going into their boxing career uh, let me know the person that has fought their first five boxing uh, matches and then gotten the title fight I, I would love to hear that or anybody that has fought their first 10 professional boxing matches and then instantly are a, a title fighter or instantly fighting a number five or a number six ranked boxer in that division. It just doesn't happen. You have to earn your stripes in boxing. It does not matter. For, so it always amazes me for those people that immediately are bashing Jake Paul for the opponents that he is facing when in, in understanding it's no real 15 fights, 20 fights, 30 fights, let's just say 30 professional fights because usually they start at the age of 17, 18. But no one that is already well into their career as an established professional boxer is going to go out of their way to fight Jake Paul. Why? Because it would mean nothing to the rankings in the WBO, WBC, and in any of them 
to have a fight with Jake Paul. It's just simple. And people somehow expect this guy to already be fighting um, some of the big names in boxing. Look, I get it. He's a great market guy, right? He, he markets the living heck out of himself, and he does it really well because he's constantly trying to tell us he deserves to fight Canelo Alvarez, right? He deserves to fight Canelo Alvarez. He says it. It's not true, but he says it. He's marketing himself, and we all somehow fall for this joke of believing that he deserves to be fighting prize fights, and he doesn't. He hasn't earned that stripe. He's only been in the game for three to four years. He's not been someone that was at 17, 18, 19, 20 getting into this. He's gotten into it a little later in age, and I'm saying maybe in 2024 he's going to get a couple of fights, maybe one that is finally going to draw some attention. But I think we have to take Jake Paul seriously. And in this situation specifically, I drove my head and I said, what is what is Jake Paul going to show the U.S. Olympic boxing team about boxing, right? That was the first impression that I got. And then the more I read it and the more I understood it, I end up believing this is perfect for USA boxing. You get the attention of a guy like Jake Paul that is going to film this on his social media, that is going to put out YouTube videos of this on social media. Um, he, he's going to put out clips. He's going to put out all these things, and he's going to help bring attention to USA boxing, especially for the Olympics. I think this is phenomenal. I think this is great for USA boxing because if one thing is a certainty that I believe a lot of these leagues lack is the intelligence of marketing. Now, the NFL has it, right? They took advantage of Taylor Swift coming around the NFL, and they marketed the heck out of Taylor Swift, right? So this is, I think, the same style of opportunity in my eyes for Jake Paul and the USA Boxing. I'm not saying Paul is going to go in there and he's going to help any of these young athletes become better at boxing, but he can help them in one specific place, and that is how to make more money. And at the end of the day, for boxers, that is a very big, big, big hurdle to pass, especially in the age of uh, piracy. And I mean the age of not paying for pay-per-view fights. We live in that age now. People are doing their best to go and find streams to not pay for these boxing pay-per-views because of how expensive they are. I don't know any normal person that is going to want to spend 80 bucks on a, on, a, on a main card that lasts less than three hours. So I like this for USA Boxing, and I like this for Jake Paul. I think this will benefit him as a boxer as well. Florida State University um, head coach, Coach Norvell, he, uh, he said, quote, the most challenging couple of weeks of coaching I've ever had, end quote. And that's how uh, the past two weeks have gone for Florida State coach Mike Norvell since the Seminoles were left out of the college football playoff despite their 13-0 record. Norville said that he spoke to the team immediately after the college football playoff committee left him out of uh, the college football playoff. He said many Seminole players um, are still struggling with the reality that an undefeated season was not enough to um, keep them in, saying, quote, you had to learn how to work through disappointment, hurt, 
frustration and anger, every bit of it, from 18 to 22-year-old kids and a 42-year-old coach. It's hard, but at the end of the day, you control things you can control. We did everything we needed to win 13 games this season, end quote. Florida State was ranked in the college ball playoffs top four for much of the season, but when Jordan Travis went down with the season-ending injury, they apparently made the decision then that Florida State no longer deserved to be in the college football playoff, yet somehow, even knowing they didn't have Jordan Travis, they decided to rank them in the top four going into the college conference championship weekend. So they lose Jordan Travis, and they still play a game. Remember, they played a game after losing Jordan Travis. Let's not forget this. Let's not let these guys make the history that they want. Because they ranked Florida State fourth in the country even after Jordan Travis was down and out. And Florida State won. And so they left them in the in the top four going into the college football conference championship games. They didn't take them out of there and said, oh, man, uh, you lost Jordan Travis. You're out. You're not in the top four anymore. They didn't do that. They left them in the top four. They played their conference championship game. And because we weren't impressed enough, right, that, that's what they told us. We weren't impressed enough. You didn't go out and beat a top 15 team by 30, right? You didn't play Georgia in your conference championship game. So then we go after a team that did all the right things, played all the right games, won their games, and then we go, yeah, you know, you won, and there might be 53 other guys or 52. There might be 10 other guys on that field. There might be 21 other guys on that field, right, that played the entire season, that were there. They might be on the field, but that one guy that isn't there means more to this team than anybody else means to this team. That's what the committee told us. Because if you believe in your right mind that Alabama, that Texas, Michigan, Washington, Georgia would have been left out because they lost their quarterback to end a season, you are living in la-la land. You are. Because there's no way that Alabama doesn't get in even if they lose their starting quarterback. Right, because we would then go and say, well, you know how much talent Alabama has, Gonzo? You know. They're the most talented team. So that's why they're in, because even one through three on the bench, even quarterbacks, remember they had Jalen Hurts. Remember they had Mac Jones. Remember they had Tua Tungabailoa all in the same quarterback room. So, of course, of course Alabama is going to get in because the goalposts are here, and when it's convenient for us, the goalposts somehow seem to go over there. Cody Bellinger still has not signed. And uh, Scott Boris, his agent, is beginning to create a lot more of his puns. Bell of the ball. Quote, full belly. 
Uh, those are some of the puns that uh, Scott Boris is using to try to convince us that Coley, Cody Bellinger deserves to be a $200-plus million contract kind of guy. That's, 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 what they, that's what he's trying to tell us, right, that, uh, that Coley Bellinger's 300 average season is not an outlier. That is who he is. And if that is who he is, then he deserves to be paid like guys like Bryce Harper. And he deserves to be paid like guys like Cody, uh, not not Cody Bellinger, but Cody Seager, Corey Seager. Right, because those guys improved after age 28. That's what he's telling us. But he's not pointing out a guy like a Chris Bryant, right? A guy like Chris Bryant who, again, similar injuries as Cody Bellinger, has not been able to get healthy. Belly, right? Who is going to blink first? Who is going to make that mistake first? Because I believe it's going to be a mistake. I believe that Cody Bellinger is going to sign the massive contract, and then Cody Bellinger is going to become the guy we had seen prior to last season in Chicago, but the guy we had seen at the towards the end of his career with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I just do not see Cody Bellinger being a reliable 200 million plus guy. I just do not see that being true. John Morant set to uh, John Morant set to be coming back um, this upcoming week. Interesting to see how. Uh, how he is going to come back into the fray. Um, a player that uh, now is swirling around in potential trade um, scenarios in Donovan Mitchell. Is it going to be time for the for the Cleveland Cavaliers to move on from, uh, from Mitchell? Interesting to see how that potentially uh, could go as well on that front uh, there. Let's give a quick look. Here to any of the other fresh headlines to make sure we didn't miss anything uh, before we uh, get you here to home team headlines on the other uh, side. And uh, the last uh, fresh headline that we did not give earlier today, that is going to be that the Carolina Panthers have released uh, outside linebacker Justin Houston to give the four-time Pro Bowl selection a chance to sign with a playoff contender. Houston has been on the injured reserve with a hamstring injury since November 4th. Um, and he has uh, had half a sack, three tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits this season. Houston, obviously, a big-time pass rusher, 111.5 career sacks in 12 seasons. He signed a one-year deal with Carolina in August um, to play for then-head coach Frank Reich. So he uh, he is going to be looking for a new team here very, very shortly the last one is that the masters already has the smallest field of majors of the majors the 2024 edition could be one of the smallest in years depending on the first three months of the pga tour season no uh, no significant tournaments the rest of the year it looks like um uh, 11 players who finish in the top 50 will be added to the field which would bring the field to 77 players among those expected to compete that includes three players who will be making their Masters debut without ever having won on the PGA Tour or European Tour. Adam Schenk, um, uh, Eric Cole, and Denny McCarthy 
Shank qualified by reaching the Tour Championship for the first time. The 11 expected to get in through top 50 in the world rankings are Ryan Fox, Minwoo Lee, McCarthy, Will uh, Zalarches, Justin Rose, Harris English, Cole, JT Poston, Adrian Moronk, Adam Hardwin, and Nikolai Hodgard. Um, four players um, uh, earned invitations by winning PGA Tour events in the fall. Liz Van Ruyen and Villegas, as well as Arberg. Um, there are also uh, some special invitations for international players who are not PGA Tour regulars. Um, Augusta National prefers the field to be under 100, a, num- a number it, it last exceeded in 1966 when um, it was 103 in the field. So there are your freshest headlines of the day. Coming up next, we have home team headlines. We are live from the meat market here today, 454 West Alluvial Avenue here in Fresno, California, until 2 o'clock, and then we hand it off to Sportsline, the Bulldog Hour, with the man Tony D. Take a break. We'll be back. Home team headlines. Those are next. You're listening to the Jose Gonzalez Show. Jose Gonzalez Show, Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. and on Fridays, beginning at noon on your local sports leader. We're live from the Meat Market, 454 West Alluvial Avenue here in Fresno, California. It is Tri-Tip Tuesday, 29.99. Um, that is the price for a large Tri-Tip, a large side, and a two-liter Pepsi that you can come on out here to the Meat Market. Feeds four comfortably. Could be five or six, depending on, you know, if you want to share a little bit, you don't want to share a little bit. Totally on you. I'm not a person that likes sharing my food. My wife will tell you, I do not share my food. If we go out to a restaurant, she's going to get what she wants, and I'm going to get what I want, and I'm not getting what I want to share with her what what she wants, right? I, 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 I like my food. I, 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 I do not share very often, especially not when I'm here at the meat market. Um, so, obviously, I've told you all the time, I'm a, I'm a tri-tip burrito kind of guy. Adding a little bit of salsa with those potatoes in there, I'm telling you, it's absolutely delicious. But if you want to give a ribeye sandwich a try, you want to give some uh, something else on their menu a try, you definitely can do that as well. Or come on out here and uh, check out the 100 feet of meat inside. Um, uh, everything ranging from tomahawk steaks to sirloins to new york to all of what you can imagine as well as uh boneless uh skinless chicken thighs uh uh, chicken breast and uh, marinated boneless skinless chicken thighs marinated chicken breast as well as um, some marinated like some marinated taco meat all anything you can think of they got it as well as uh, reminding you to give it a try on the sauces on the spices they have a little bit of everything on the on the difference there, and uh, I'm telling you, I, I give I give a new spice a try almost on a monthly basis, and uh, been doing it for a few months, and uh, still still a large dent, still a large dent to get into because uh, have not made much of a dent with uh, that. All right. With it being said, I want to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, Niners, Lakers, and uh, we'll finish off with the Fresno State Bulldogs, and so. As I get through this and I remind 
all of you that we're here at the main market. Come join us until 2 o'clock. Sportsline comes up after that and home field advantage after that. The Las Vegas Raiders lose 3-0 to zero to the Minnesota Vikings. And after that game, I got on Monday morning. And during the Monday morning show, I was uh, adamantly beginning to lose my patience with Antonio Pierce. And I say that because I just couldn't fathom coming out of a bye week being able to prepare for the Minnesota Vikings in front of you, a team that is also missing a starting quarterback, a team that had not been able to get anything going, a team that offensively had been poor. Defensively, obviously, Brian Flores does different things, but look, I I get it. Brian Brian Flores is a great defensive coordinator. I, I, I get it. He's a great defensive mind. But sometimes... We talk about these defensive coordinators as though they are magicians that have never, never been caught with anything up their sleeve. And in reality, having two weeks to prepare for an opponent should give you an ability to at least put three points on the dang board. Okay? That's as simple as I I think I put it when the Vikings beat the Raiders 3-0. to And I said... I'm not a fan of Antonio Pierce right now being the head coach of the Raiders. I don't see him getting the Raiders job after that performance. But the one thing as the week went on, I said on the show was, you know what, I want to see how they respond. How do the Raiders react to losing 3-0 after a bye week? How do the Raiders react from that going into a game against the Los Angeles Chargers. How is this going to go? Now, did I expect Justin Herbert to have been out for that game? No, I didn't expect him to get hurt and then lose and then be out for the year. And now the Chargers are hoping to lose every game the rest of the way and have a top six, seven pick in the upcoming NFL draft. But then they went up and put 63, 63, on a defensive-minded head coach like Brandon Staley. Now, did all of the Charger players give up going into that game? There's speculation that they decided that they were done. They weren't going to keep Brandon Staley to his job anymore. I'm not sure about that speculation, and I'm not going to entertain that speculation. And because I'm not, I think of it in these terms. Only one defensive touchdown in that game before the Raiders. It was one. They scored 56 offensive points. 56. So, when you think that the Raiders went from scoring zero to scoring 63, I have to think that it's because they're playing for the coach. I have to think That is because they actually like their coach. I have to think that it's because Antonio Pierce actually has the pulse of the locker room. It makes me think that Antonio Pierce is actually a leader of men. Maybe not the great at clock management. Maybe not the greatest at game management. Maybe not the offensive mind that you would hope in this day and age in football. 
Maybe not a lot of those things. But it's okay. Because how many times have we seen the right guy, the right culture guy, the right attitude guy, and just the right fit for a franchise go on and change the complexion of a team? You think about a Mike McDaniel with the Miami Dolphin, and I mean not being a Raider guy or not being this guy that just went in and changed the entire complexity of what the Miami Dolphins are and were, is that he came in and he was the right guy. Not just a great offensive mind, but he was the right guy to bring out the most of a guy like Tua Tungavailoa who seemed to have his confidence in the dirt. The right guy to open up that locker room and let the guys be themselves and make every player in that locker room want to play for you. And if you look at hard knocks in season, you would see that all of these players love their head coach. That's a a very big key to an NFL head coach. Not only does he have to be a great offensive mind, not only does he have to be a great defensive mind if he specializes in either one, but he has to be the right guy. Attitude, locker room, leadership. And Antonio Pierce right now seems like the right guy for the Raiders. He looks, and I've said this before, and look, I was backpedaling after what they did against the Vikings, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's something about the Raider way, not the Patriot way. Now, the Patriot way went out and won you Super Bowls, and I get it, but that had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Josh McDaniels was nowhere dang clear to those two things. But the Raider way is not just, hey, this is how we play football. It's an embodiment. It's an attitude. And I think Antonio Pierce is exactly the guy for that kind of job. Now, I want to talk about Kyle Shanahan and Debo Samuel in that wide receiving room. Now, it appears as though Kyle Shanahan isn't going to win the head coach of the year gig again. He's not going to win the NFC head coach of the year. He won't. Why? Because there's someone out there that is going to deserve it in the eyes of some more than Kyle Shanahan. Who I, you guys can pick. Who you guys think is going to win the head coach of the year award. It's not going to be Kyle Shanahan. It won't be. And as you look at it, and as you uh, pay a little bit of attention to it, who, who do you think is going to win the head coach of the year award? Who do we think is going to win the head coach of the year award? As you look at it here currently, And the NFC, is Dan Campbell going to win the Head Coach of the Year award? That that seems to be probably the favorite, right? Dan Campbell winning the Head Coach of the Year award? The job he's done in Detroit and all of this stuff that you guys are going to tell me. But wouldn't it be crazy to think that Dan Campbell would have a Head Coach of the Year award before Kyle Shanahan? A guy that's been to three NFC championships as a head coach? A guy that's been to a Super Bowl as a head coach, the Dan Campbell, having done none of those things, will win a head coach of the year award before Kyle Shanahan. Isn't that crazy? 
to think and to fathom and to put into context? And the reason I wanted to talk about Adebo Samuel is because the dude said he was going to bring it this year. Debo Samuel was very clear that he was going to be the guy for the San Francisco 49ers, and he has been that guy. And he's been everything that the Niners dreamed of pairing with Christian McCaffrey when they brought Christian McCaffrey to pair with him. At one point or another, the 49ers are going to have to make a decision after this season. Do they keep or do they move on from Brandon Ayuk? They're going to have to make that decision. And does Debo Samuel make that decision clear with the amount of great play that he does the rest of the season. That receiving room could look drastically different. And that's why this year is even more important for the San Francisco 49ers to win a Super Bowl. Because things after this season are beginning to look ahead and look forward because you're going to have to pay Brock Purdy in two years. Not this offseason, but the following. You're going to have to decide on Brandon Ayuk this offseason. You're going to have to make some critical decisions if you're the 49ers. And do you want to make those decisions with the Super Bowl under your belt, or do you want to make those decisions after a Super Bowl loss or an NFC Championship loss once again? The 49ers window, every year it seems like it is closing, but one constant has reigned true, and that is Kyle Shanahan. And it still is incredible for me to say he hasn't won a head coach of the year. And that's just insane. I want to end this before I take you to a break and I bring you back to close out the hour. And that is that the Fresno State Bulldogs last night lost to Portland State. It's not about losing to Portland State. It's how you lost to Portland State. You had a seven-point lead in overtime with two minutes and 20 yon on seconds left to play in overtime. And you end the game on a 10-0 run, meaning the other team. You start the overtime on a 7-0 run, and then Portland State goes on a 10-0 run to end the game. That's just incredible. That's just mind-boggling. And that harkens back to the conversation of whether a head coaching job change should happen for Fresno State men's basketball. That harkens back to the conversation of, hey, everybody, Everybody now is talking about the good old days at the Salon Arena. Not the Save Mart Center, not what is created at the Save Mart Center, but the good old days at Salon Arena that I remember as a kid. Those were the good old days. But this is also the last time Fresno State Athletics has actually made an investment in men's basketball. We can talk about Coach Justin Hudson all we want, but hey, it's all going to keep being the same if the end result is the same, the investment on the men's basketball program has to increase in order for the love of that program to increase. As we stand here today, football, successful season, volleyball, successful season, we wait to see if water polo will have the same successful season as they've had the last few years. But equestrian has dropped off this year. Men's basketball, women's basketball, I think they're not having good years. Men's basketball, obviously not. Women's basketball, I think, are having a perception of a decent year. But as soon as I think they get further into their schedule, they're going to find some of the tougher games that they have to play. Softball, run into hard times. Baseball, I think Ovi can make a change and, and get them back on that path of hopefully 
a regional. But Fresno State Athletics, currently, the state of athletics, I think has to be in question. In the next three months, or the most critical three months of Fresno State history, the most critical, Measure E, that is coming up in March. How do you message the voters? How do you message everybody? Because I've been clear. I believe that the direction that Dr. Saul Jimenez-Sandoval is taking and understanding that athletics is very critical to the overall success of Fresno State as a university. But the athletic department has to make the right decisions, and they have some critical ones to make, I think, in the next three months. And it's going to be interesting to see the direction that Fresno State Athletics takes the rest of the way. Get you ready for hour number two. When we come back, we're live from the meat market today, 454 West Alluvial Avenue here in Friends Zone, California. Come on out. Tri-Tip Tuesday, $29.99. Large Tri-Tip. They cut it for you. Large side as well as a two-liter Pepsi soda. Make sure to come on out here to the meat market today. Get you ready for hour number two. When we come back, you're listening to The Jose Gonzalez Show. Here we go, hour number two on the way. Again, live from the meat market, 454 West Alluvial Avenue here in Fresno, California. It's Strike Tip Tuesday, $29.99, a large Strike Tip, a large side, and a two-liter soda. Come out to the meat market. Coming up, hour number two. That is next. You're listening to those A. Gonzalez Show. Number two of the Jose Gonzalez Show starts now. Our number two of the Jose Gonzalez Show begins right about now. And that is five minutes, 45 seconds past the hour of 1 p.m. here in Fresno, California. Once again, appreciate you guys for being here and appreciate you guys for listening in. Again, we are live from the Meat Market, 454 West Alluvial Avenue in Fresno, California. We are here until 2 o'clock before we hand it off to Tony D, host of Sportsline, the Bulldog Gower. And then we hand it off, he hands it off to Gabe Camarillo, host of Homefield Advantage, Monday through Thursday, 3 to 5 p.m. Uh, so make sure to check him out. Also want to remind you guys, I... I'm only here for two more days. I have two more days with you guys on the air. And then on January 2nd, I will be back. Um, and uh, so just a little programming update on that. We will not be, um, that's Tony and myself on the air on Fridays. We'll still have Inside the Patch with Gnarly Charlie. Um, and uh, then the following week, I will be gone all week long, Christmas Day. Um, we will have the Raiders on at 10 a.m. on 14:30. Then we'll go into the Los Angeles Lakers at 2 o'clock, and at the end of that, we go to the San Francisco 49ers as they take on the Baltimore Ravens at 5 o'clock. So make sure to tune in on on uh, Monday. That is December 25th for all of the actions around um, the NFL and a little of the NBA. So there you go. All right, the current temperature here in the city of Fresno. 
It is currently 65 degrees. The expected high today is 65 with an overnight low of 56 degrees. It is a beautiful day. Look, I get it. It might be a little, uh, you know, gloomy for some, but the the sun peeking out a little bit, a nice little breeze flowing on through. It it it, it feels like as long as you have a nice, nice long sleeve, maybe that is a little, you know, thin. You should be good. You should be good. Every weather report is brought to you by our friends at Lee's Air Plumbing and Heating. If you have an ACC, AC heater unit issue, you got maintenance that needs to get done, you call our friends at Lee's Air Plumbing and Heating. They have got you covered. With that being said, we talked to Angelique Martinez, KC24 CBS 47. She joined the show. We'll talk a little bit of everything. And, uh, well, here is that conversation. It is a Tuesday, and it is our number three. That only means one thing. Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47. Uh, she joins us on Tuesdays. She joins us right now. Angelique, good morning to you. Good morning. Now, uh, Angelique, uh, back from Albuquerque already? It's, uh, it's a very long uh, long flight. It's tremendously long. Yes. I was back Sunday morning. Now, did, did, now the question here is, um, and and you can tell me, Gonzo, I'm not going to say that, uh, but the question for me is, did you fly from Fresno? And uh, if so, how many stops out of Fresno did before Albuquerque? Yeah, so I went Fresno to Denver, which was about two and a half hours, and then a two-hour layover, and then Denver to Albuquerque was about an hour flight, so it wasn't bad from Denver. Okay, and, and was this your first time in Albuquerque? Yes, first time. Okay, now what was your uh, thoughts on uh, the city? I've, I've never been, so um, however best you can describe it, it would be great. I mean, it's kind of what you expect when you think of New Mexico. So um, a lot of dirt? The weather was, yeah, a lot of dirt, you know, desert-like, um, but... It was cold. When I got there, it was snowing. It snowed the first morning that I was there. Um, so colder than here, for sure. But, no, it was great. It was nice. Nice to, you know, get out of town and see something new. Okay. I, like, I, I genuinely have never been to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I'm like, you know what? What does it look like? What does it feel like to be out there um, in uh, December? Because... Uh, uh, obviously, that is not a place that I have in my bucket list, um, but uh, definitely um, yeah, just, just a cold, a cold desert is what I would say. Okay, like how would you compare it to maybe say in Arizona? I've never been. You've never? Okay, all right, all right. Sorry, I'm, I'm a West Coast guy, so you know we we go all around the little West Coast, like Nevada, Arizona. Yeah. You, you know that, that that's our traveling time uh, here yeah, on the West Coast. It was similar. It was similar to Nevada, I guess I could say. Okay. Okay. That that's still that's still there. Uh, you know, like for me, I hate making the uh, the trip to Las Vegas um, in, in vehicle because of how much desert. Reno's a different question when you go through those mountains and all that. It, it at least seems to uh, to have some entertainment value in there. But uh, yeah, definitely driving to Las Vegas does not. Now, 
Um, how was uh, the environment at uh, the, during bowl week and during the festivities uh, leading up to the bowl game on uh, Saturday? There was, bo- there was um, what's the word I'm thinking of? There was, like, massive signs everywhere. Billboards with, <laughs> you know, everyone's in Aggie and Albuquerque. I was trying to think of the word of billboards. Yeah. Um, there was billboards everywhere saying everyone's in Aggie in town. Like, to be fair, it was completely an away game. Um, New Mexico State fans made the easy drive up from Las Cruces, and there was people anywhere and everywhere. My hotel, every morning at breakfast, no matter if it was Thursday, Friday, or game day, they had their, you know, their team gear on. So, um, no, it was a good environment. A lot of people were in town for it, and, yeah, I think people were excited for the game. Yeah, like Las Cruces is uh, about uh, less than three hours or about three hours from Albuquerque. Um, and so, yeah, so in that estimation, you would say that, uh, there was a, a very good contingency of New Mexico state fans there. And so you, you said it was a clear away game. What about the festivities themselves? All the things that happen around the game, um, what, what, like, uh, the head coach for New Mexico state coach killer, he, he comes out and, and, uh, he, he comes out and says like New Mexico didn't want to let us on their practice field and, and goes through those things. Like, th- did you get a whiff of that while you were there or were you uh, oh, yeah. too focused with Fresno so, state? So I got a whiff of that for sure. Um, at the press conference Friday ahead of the game, you know, it was strictly just like talking about the matchup, talking about the players, you know, he gave a lot of praise to Jeff Tedford and the program and, you know, everything that Fresno State is and the history that comes along with it. So he was really respectful and obviously, like, really appreciated Coach Tedford and everything that he's done. Now, this little rant that Coach Jerry Kill had was after the game on Saturday night after Fresno State had won by 27 points because apparently during bowl week, um, both teams were supposed to practice at New Mexico's facilities where the Lobos practice indoors um, because that's where the game was played, obviously. And... New Mexico's athletic director did not want New Mexico State to practice in their indoor facility. They said they can go practice at a high school field because over the summer, New Mexico State's quarterback, Diego Pavia, um, did something in New Mexico's indoor facility that is frowned upon and disrespectful and he should not have done. And, of course, it was recorded and... It came out, and, you know, Coach Kill went on a rant essentially saying, I disciplined my player. Now it's ridiculous. The athletic director's not getting disciplined for trying to shun us from the indoor facility. Like, we can't help that we were sent to this bowl. You know, like, essentially, like, it's not their fault they were, they were put in this bowl game. Like, like, the athletic director was just being petty, essentially. Yeah, and uh, what uh, Angelique is referencing that she will not say, but this is my show, I will say it. Um, is that that Pavia was caught urinating on the New Mexico logo? Do I have it right, Angelique? Yes. Okay. And there's video proof. I mean, if you just search Pavia <laughs> New Mexico logo, it's the first thing that comes up on Twitter, and you know, it was all over the news, and it's you know, it's not great. And Coach Kill claims he had no idea this even happened until after the Aggies beat the Lobos in Albuquerque during the regular season. And after the game, they brought it up, I guess, to say, like, look, like, you don't know this happened. So um, 
so yeah, just kind of a messy situation all around. I mean, Coach Kill was obviously fired up about it, and I'm sure the emotions were running high because the, the offense couldn't get anything going. Defense couldn't stop Fresno State's passing game. I mean, it was kind of a mess of a game for them. So um, he was he was going through it. To sit yeah. But yeah, it, that was his final comment in the post-game presser right before Fresno State came in. So everybody was there for it. Everybody's ears perked up. Everybody's like, oh. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, here's the thing. Like, I, I think you would agree with me where I understand both sides. Like, do you think we would do, like, do you think he would be dumb enough to do it again? You know, like, do you think he would go out of his way to do it again? I don't think so either. I don't think he would. But, like, Diego Pavia, his personality was very, um, you know, like, I'm that guy. I can't really think of the word I want to use to describe him, but... You know, he thought he was kind of above, you know, the other players and, and gave off the personality that he's the best, he thinks he's the best, and there wasn't a whole lot of humility there. Um, so, I, I mean, I could see him going to their rival school and, and doing that, obviously. I don't think he would do it again moving forward. I think it's also an immaturity thing, you know, you, you live and you learn. Um, but I can understand, too, from... New Mexico side where, you know, this kid disrespected our property and, you know, all these things, we don't want them using it. But, you know, when the bowl game's being held at your facilities, it's kind of out of your hands and it's up to the bowl, it's up to the bowl committee and, and the people in charge of running the New Mexico bowl. Yeah. Like I, I agree. I, I think in that instance, um, for any bulldog fan that might be thinking of what comparison it would be, let's just say a, a Boise state player came in. Um, we have a bowl game here. Um, and uh, they had, when their time was here, they were caught, you know, doing something like that. And, and then uh, they have a bowl game here. And we're like, uh, yeah, you're not going to use our facilities. You're, you're just not going to go through that. So that that's, again, a comparable situation. But like I said, and like you said, I don't think he would have done it again. Um, and uh, obviously, a, that that is a situation that just boiled over there. But I also... Don't blame the New Mexico AD saying, no, like you disrespected our stuff. Why would we let you use? It's like um, you borrow, you borrowing something from someone, giving it back to them a little bit more messed up than they got, right? Then you got it. And then you go, hey, can I borrow that one thing again? You're going to go, no, you didn't take care of it. Why would I give it to you again? So exactly. at the end of the day, that to me is the perspective that uh, probably went through in uh, in there. But overall, great experience in, uh, in in Albuquerque. Yeah, absolutely. The game was great. Um, obviously, the dogs played really well. It was enjoyable. Skipper was great to cover, great to talk to. You know, yeah, of course, it was, it was great. Now, I want to talk about Coach, uh, Coach Skipper because of obviously um, the unknown of Jeff Tedford and, and how all of that is raining through right now um, through this football program. But what was your impression of Coach uh, Skip? Was he enjoying the time or was he trying to, um, in your eyes, maybe show us, hey, this is who I can be as a head coach and I'm a pretty dang likable kind of guy? I think a little bit of both. So that's just who Skipper is. He always has, you know, he's got a good personality. He's he's happy. He shows his personality. He's a little more personable where he kind of lets you see a little bit more in a way. Um, and he's always been that way. You know, we see him at games. We see him, you know, throughout town. He's, he's friendly, and, and that's just who he is. But I also think, you know, obviously, whatever, whatever happens with Tedford in the future and kind of what the decision is there with him and, and what he wants to do, like, this is also an audition for Skipper. 
So you have to make the most of it. So I think, you know, obviously he he showed with flying colors and, and put up a great, you know, a great performance. But, um, no, he showed his personality a lot, too, and he's really likable and, and he's passionate. And the players really fed into that. They said all week long the energy's been great. Like, Skipper's kept our energy up. Like, we haven't had – like Mikey Keane said, we haven't had a practice with this much energy and excitement around it and everything in a long time. He said he doesn't know if he's ever had one in college football. So it just kind of shows you the, the juice and energy of it all that Skipper's bringing even more to the program now that he was kind of – at the head of it for the past few weeks. So would you, uh, because uh, I obviously haven't spoken about this yet, um, but would you give him a passing grade in your estimation on the totality of work um, uh, during uh, this time for Coach Skipper? Because, again, from my vantage point, it just seems like everything that is coming out during his time and again, I think it's also shown that players haven't entered the transfer portal in a way that maybe I think we thought they might with the uncertainty um, that, yeah, a guy like Trey Watson, he is huge to going into the transfer portal, and that absolutely sucks um, to watch a such a talented young kid um, go into the portal to go be great somewhere else. Um, but I've, I thought I might see more. And do you think that Coach Skipper's personality might be keeping a lot of these kids around saying, you know what, I might be able to play for this guy if he's the uh, heir apparent uh, to Coach Tedford if if that doesn't go uh, the right way? Definitely. And I think that's a big part of it. And obviously, you know, yeah, the the dogs are losing some guys, but there's a lot of young talent on this team. You know, Mikey Keane's only a sophomore. Like, they know what they're going to have these next few years if they can keep these key guys around and like the depth of the running backs and, and the future receivers on this team. I mean, the future is bright. So um, I think a lot of people want to be a part of that. And obviously Trey Watson entering the transfer portal um, a little bit funny that he did it right after the bowl game um, that was, you know, in his hometown and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, you know, just one day later he has five power five offers already like nothing like Washington UCLA Cal Texas A&M all these schools coming out of the woodwork to try and get him um was not surprised by that Washington offer though no I wasn't surprised by the Washington offer but I I also think uh Angelique and and it's interesting to me that I believe that uh Trey wanted to play this bowl game with his team and he waited to play the bowl game to enter the transfer portal. I think he didn't want to leave before the end of this. Uh, um, I think he wanted to close the chapter, and I think he did. I, I think he um, went the, the, the right way around I respect that. Yeah, I agree. I respect that he did that. Um, so we're talking to Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47. Um, and so, Angelique, what impressed you the most uh, about the Bulldogs' win over uh, New Mexico State in Albuquerque? Because for me, one of the key things and something that I feel that fans already had done, which is move on for Mikey Keene. I didn't understand why they had, but a lot of fans had moved on for Mikey Keene. Um, and he comes out, he plays great. A lot of the seniors play well. Malik Sherrod had himself a day um, running the football. Uh, what what was the most impressive thing for you um, in watching the Bulldogs take uh, take the field in Albuquerque? Yeah, it was 
few things for me. One, obviously, Mikey Keene's playing lights out, 380 yards, you know, three passing touchdowns. He rushes for one, which was cool to see. Um, obviously, it shows what a healthy and rested Mikey Keene is able to do. You know, he was getting banged up all throughout the season, taking big hits, and then the last few weeks, you know, he wasn't healthy, then they try to put him in, and, you know, it just seems like you got to let the kid rest and really become 100% because look at how he can play when he is 100%. Um, I mean, he, he had an incredible game. And another thing for me that stood out was the defense. I mean, they were just all over Pavia, and they knew he used his legs. They had to get after him. I think they sacked him five times. I mean, it, it was just really impressive that they got after the run and they were able to stop the run, which, you know, the last few games of the year, they kind of struggled to do a little bit. So um, I was really impressed with both Mikey and the defensive performance as a whole, especially led by Laveau Bailey with, you know, eight tackles and a sack. That's, that's quite the way to go out. Absolutely. We're talking to Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47. Um, and uh, so, Angelique, as we turn the quick page here and look uh, at the the football side of things in the NFL, um, as uh, you look at the grand scheme uh, of things, um, we haven't spoke since uh, Brandon Staley got fired um, from the Chargers, Justin Herbert out um, for the year there. Like, what do you make of all of these backup quarterbacks playing this season? Are we going to see a frenzy of uh, of pay going to backup quarterbacks this upcoming offseason, seeing how many backup quarterbacks played this year, which is over seven already? Yeah, I think so, especially because, I mean, they're kind of carrying these teams and making make-or-break situations, whether you're making it in the playoffs or not. And, for example, Browning in Cincinnati, like he – he was talking about bringing his family to a game and he used Joe Burrow's box. He was like, I, I can't afford those tickets. Like these backups and these guys that get picked up, they don't make that kind of money. Um, so I think so. I mean, they're obviously reliable. And with the amount of quarterbacks that have gone down with season ending injuries, you know, you got to think that the backups may be a little bit more crucial than you give credit to earlier in the year. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, a lot of teams that did not think about the backup role really found themselves kicking themselves. And uh, it, it's interesting to me to kind of look at, at, at the totality of that. Um, but again, the backup quarterback role has become very pressing across football. You had Drew Locke win a game yesterday, last night, over the Eagles in Jalen Hurts, a backup quarterback in his own right. So um, you, you do look at, at everything, and it, it definitely is intriguing. Now, Jalen Hurts played despite an illness yesterday. He had a decent game. It wasn't great, wasn't bad, um, but through an interception late that ended up haunting the Philadelphia uh, Eagles and uh, giving the Seahawks a chance. What do you make of the Eagles' struggle? Do you think that Jalen Hurts is unhealthy right now and that is leading to these struggles? Or what do you make of the Eagles' struggles here? Because this doesn't look like the Jalen Hurts we've been accustomed to seeing, not just this season, but last season as well. I don't think this is... I want to be clear. I don't believe Jalen Hurts is showing us who he is. I just think something is happening where he is not playing up to his capacity. I agree. And I, I mean, safe to say yesterday he wasn't 100%. I think we all knew that going into it, that he was dealing with, you know, a sickness and whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, to say the Eagles are struggling as of late is, is an understatement. I mean, these last few games um, have not been impressive. And I think he's just kind of forcing it, trying to make things happen. Like, 
like that pick yesterday. I don't know why he was trying to throw it so far downfield. That wasn't necessary. All they needed was to get maybe midway and, and get a field goal there to tie the game up into OT. So I don't know. I think he's kind of forcing it, trying to be the hero a little too much. And yesterday obviously wasn't the day for that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he is playing a little bit more hero ball here as of uh, of uh, late. Now, um, the Dallas Cowboys, well, they walked into Buffalo and uh, took a ginormous L. The Philadelphia Eagles lose. So that leaves the San Francisco 49ers with essentially what it is, is a two-game lead over both Dallas, over both uh, Dallas and Philadelphia. And then you have the third in Detroit. Uh, so San Francisco now sitting comfortably um, in that number one spot in the NFC. Now the other team in the AFC that is number one is the Baltimore Ravens. How exciting is it to get a matchup like the Niners and Ravens on Christmas Day, um, both number one uh, seeds? And if they lose, they could fall back into the pack and uh, uh, potentially lose that number one seed. If they win, they almost certainly guarantee themselves the number one seed. Like, it can't get any bigger than this between those two teams, right? Oh, yeah. No, that's going to be a great game. And, I mean, all eyes are going to be on both of them. And, you know, that's what people think can be a Super Bowl matchup. So, I mean, it, it's a huge deal. Um, off the top of your head, do you know that game in Baltimore? No, that is in San Francisco at Levi State. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, that helps us in Santa Clara. That helps. Definitely for the Niners. So. Well, well, San Francisco um, has uh, has uh, been here near the state of California recently, which they haven't really had to leave much other than Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that yeah. is that is a big benefit for them as well. What do you make of the Brock Purdy MVP discussions? I have not turned the tide on Brock Purdy. I've said that I, I I'm a believer now, but I I still need to see a lot more. But I do believe, just if I'm looking at stats, that Brock Purdy is the MVP frontrunner. If I am strictly looking at stats, he has efficiency stats that he leads the league on. He's a passing touchdown leader in the NFL uh, as well. He is having an overall great year. Now, how much does Christian McCaffrey hurt his chances of winning an MVP? That is to be uh, seen. But what do you make of the MVP discussion currently? Well, yeah, of course, Purdy leads all those you know, categories, and that's obviously very impressive. Now, having Christian McCaffrey right there beside you kind of helps the situation, and he could also be up for it as well. But another thing, too, Tyreek was in the conversation, and I think he still should be because when Tyreek wasn't healthy and he was out last week, I mean, you know, struggling, you know, the Dolphins struggled, and obviously they just played the Jets, kind of a different situation, not as much of a competitive opponent, but – I think Tyreek is still obviously in that conversation as well. So right now, I think it's those three are my are my front runners for it all. But yeah, I mean, Purdy should just definitely be in the conversation as much as Tyreek and Christian McCaffrey are. Yeah. Now, one of the arguments that I made, and, and again, it, it, I think you are finding it difficult that I am currently in favor of uh, Brock Purdy winning the MVP, um, and that is to me, it's saying. We never took credit away from Patrick Mahomes because he had Tyreek. And now that he doesn't have Tyreek, we are seeing the difficulties that he is going through and not having a pretty dang good wide receiver. And I'm not saying that um, it it is strictly due to that, but we are seeing the drop-off. Even last year, we saw a a slight difficult stretch for Patrick Mahomes. I, I just, I've never understood 
going into these arguments and saying, well, this guy has him, when in reality, when we look at it, then should we um, should we talk about Steve Young and Joe Montana, who had one of the best, arguably the best, un, like without a doubt, wide receiver we've ever seen, like, you put those into perspective, and it, it's insane to me that we try to use that as a way to disqualify a guy. I'm not saying you. I'm saying a lot of other people have been doing that. So it it, it, it yeah. intrigued me on the front. Which, I mean, that, that goes hand in hand. It's a team sport. Like, the MVP is obviously going to do well when he's got great receivers who can catch the balls that he's throwing. Like, that, it is what it is. And, and not only that, but we've seen what the 49ers potentially could be without Brock Purdy. Right, like we've seen them lose their guy, and like Jimmy G was the guy last year. He didn't have them as efficiently going and running as we see Brock Purdy. Like the thing that I admire about Purdy is that something that is so difficult to watch quarterbacks do sometimes, and that is lead their guys. Not only are they open, but lead them to continue going in that same direction and and speed and being able not to really slow down and just hit your spots. I think Brock Purdy does that better than I've seen a lot of quarterbacks do, and that's, I think, a credit to him. Now, um, I want to talk about, um, the in terms of Major League Baseball, as we look at where we currently are, Shohei Otani is a Los Angeles Dodger. Um, I, I don't, I don't believe you and I were uh, uh, had a, a chance to really discuss that. And so, what, what, what are your sentiments on Shohei Otani being an LA Dodger um, and uh, the seven hundred million dollar contract, six hundred and eighty million of it deferred um, until after he finishes playing baseball? I mean, not surprised that he's a Dodger one bit. I think we all kind of knew that was going to happen, um, that they were one of the front runners and one of the ones actually capable of paying him the money that he wants. Um, and I respect the decision to take the money later on. He's making room for, you know, them to add some key playmakers and, you know, show he's in a position where he doesn't need all that money right now. So um, I think that kind of shows selflessness in that he's, you know, leaving space open for them to pick up some guys and make this team as elite as they can. Now, as we see that, I said that rotation still is obviously very iffy. Now, Yamamoto is out there. Would you feel irritation, frustration, anger if Yamamoto signs with the Dodgers over the Yankees? Or are you not that high on the Yamamoto train? think I'd feel anger and frustration to be honest I mean I'm not huge on the, on the train but um I mean this is what the Yankees do you know they're in these conversations and sometimes they just drop the ball and you know they lose guys and and it's just something that we have to deal with and I think I don't go into it expecting that they're even when they got Soto like I was like okay like let's see you know like the like Yankees history it's like okay they get this guy, like, is he going to be able to do what he did in San Diego in the Bronx? Like, we'll see about it. How how do you feel um, if the Yankees don't add a starter? Are you going to be in that frustration? Like, because obviously, I, I think the Dodgers' biggest need is a frontline rotation starter. And anybody that doesn't believe that, I don't think is looking at the at, at the Dodgers' injury history. Walker Bueller coming off his second. Um, Tommy John, he's right now the leader of that uh, rotation. I'm not sure. I'm hanging my hat strictly on a person that is going to be playing 
their first baseball truly at the major league level in almost two years. Like that, that is crazy to me to to kind of fathom. Uh, but right now, if you're the Yankees, you're sitting in in a, in a space where you're saying, "Look, we just weren't that healthy last year. We have a frontline guy like Garrett Cole that we can rely on. Those other guys need to be able to stay healthy." Um, but if you're the Yankees and you can get another top of the rotation piece that you are going to pay for instead of trade for, do you think a top of the rotation piece would make the Yankees a favorite of the AL East? Definitely. And that was their, that was their struggle last year with their pitching. And, you know, Derek Cole still had a great year, but with Nestor Cortez being hurt and a few of the other guys, and obviously we never got to see Carlos Rondon do anything. So I think, um, yeah, they, they definitely need to, to get somebody in there who can at least fill the void if some of these guys go down. Are you getting nervous with the uh, college football semifinal coming up? No, not yet. Okay. Well, well, I was, I I was going to say, I'm not going to be here next week. Um, and, uh, so we are not going to be able to speak before, uh, that game happens. We won't be able to talk until Alabama is headed to the national championship. Look at that. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Now, (laughs) how do you see the college football semifinals shaping out and going Washington, Texas, Michigan, Alabama, what are your leans on both? I mean, Washington, Alabama is my dream situation. Um, but I think whoever wins between this Alabama-Michigan game is the team that wins it all. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, Kalen DeBoer. We're not even talking about Texas. So. Yeah, Kalen DeBoer just got announced as the AP Coach of the Year. Um, just oh, yeah, just a few moments ago. So are, are you uh, saying that Washington is the ugly dunkling of the Final Four? I, I did not say that. I said Texas was. Oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I, I, I apologize, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't ugly dunkling. <laughs> I'm not talking about Washington or DeVore like that. Don't do that to me. <laughs> I, I thought I misheard. See, here's the thing. I thought I misheard. I, you know, I, I thought I misheard it, but I, I said it again so that you could clarify and you clarified. Nobody send emails to Jose talking about me, okay? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, okay, okay. Texas is the ugly duckling of, uh, of the two. Okay, okay. Just, or of the four. I just wanted to make sure. Now... If Jim Harbaugh loses in the semifinal, do you see a situation where Harbaugh returns to Michigan next year, or do you see it like I see it, that regardless of what happens over the next few weeks, that Jim Harbaugh is on his way to the NFL and he is done in the college game? I don't think he leaves. I don't think he leaves Michigan. Because they're going to be competitive again next year. They are. But even with all of the chaos that is surrounding his time right now and all of the investigations and everything, I, that that's why I feel that it might be he's time. Eager, he's eager to open the season against Fresno State. Of course he wants to be there. Ah, uh, you know, I forgot about that. And that is absolutely uh, yeah. the reason why. August in Ann Arbor. It's, is it cold? I, don't, you know, I do well with the cold and, and during that time frame. August? Okay. Yeah, I don't know what Mi- here's the thing. I don't know what Michigan. I feel like I hear Michigan and I go, Phew. you know, like it, it doesn't matter what kind of time of year. I just feel it's cold. No, 
get it doesn't get like chilly in Michigan until probably like October. Got it. All right. Well, if I make plans to go, Angelique, and it's cold, I'm going to be upset. You know, I'm just I'm, I'm going to be upset. Okay. Um, All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. It's uh, August. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Nine months from now. So just just yeah. about almost nine months to the day, by the way, from now. Um, so take that for what you will. Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47. Uh, what days are you on the TV, uh, Senorita? I am on tonight, and then you will not see me again until January. So Whoa, vac- vacation coming up? Oh, yeah, big vacation. All right. Okay. Can, can I ask where you're going? Yeah, um, I'm going to the Midwest, and then I'm going back to the East Coast. So, all right. Out of town. All right. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, the wife and I are just going to enjoy our vacation. We're going to do our normal Vegas, a uh, little bit of Vegas trip. And then Perfect. I'm just going to absolutely lay and do nothing. I'm just going to do nothing. I just, I'm going to actually take a vacation. That's, that's how I feel at the end of football season. I'm ready to lay down and do nothing. I agree. Yeah. So, all right. Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47. She is always uh, big time on this show, and we're always grateful to have her. Angelique, always appreciate your time. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to The Jose Gonzalez Show. Jose Gonzalez Show, Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. and on Fridays, beginning at noon on your local sports leader, 1430 ESPN. Good afternoon. Appreciate you guys for joining us, for being here. We are live from the Meat Market, 454 West Alluvial Avenue here in Fresno, California. 454 West Alluvial Avenue in Fresno, the Meat Market, where... You can give the Tri-Tip Tuesday special a try, $29.99, for a large Tri-Tip, a large side, and as well as a two-liter Pepsi. You can also go inside the meat market and check out the 100 feet of meat that they have inside. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's always cool to come in, check out everything that the meat market has, and, and obviously always walk away exactly with what you want again 454 west alluvial avenue here in fresno california i'm live here at the meat market again appreciate all of you guys for joining us and tuning in that was a great conversation with angelique martinez kc24 cbs 47 and again grateful for all of you it is a beautiful day out here and jorge with that uh, bumper music had me uh, you know uh, that guy on TikTok, I, I just can't remember he became famous um for riding around on that uh on the longboard, um, that's what that song immediately brings into my brain, in my mind. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to stand here and, you know, sway and vibe to it a little bit. That, that, that's that's what that song <laughs> does nowadays. Um, you know, as we analyze Jalen Hurts and what went down yesterday between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks, Jalen Hurts, after the game, spoke about what the team has not done this season. He spoke about 
where the team is currently, and he went on to say he doesn't feel like everybody is fully committed. That not everybody is engaged, putting everything they have in these games. That's how it obviously feels for Jalen Hurts. He said it at the press conference. He shocked everybody inside that media room talking about that, that, that he doesn't feel as though everybody is putting their best, best effort forward. Jalen Hurts said that. And then he said uh, the way Jalen Hurts does, which is why I think he's a great quarterback and why I think he'd be a great leader and is probably a great leader, is that he owned it. He said, yeah, and it starts with me. I- I'm, I'm, I'm the person that needs to make sure that we are fully engaged and involved. But was he talking about a potential coordinator change? What, what was he mentioning? What was he alluding to, I think, is the question that a lot of people are driving through in talking about Jalen Hurts. Look, this team is essentially the same team coming back that it was last year. The difference now is if they don't get to a Super Bowl, does Jason Kelsey come back? I don't think he does. If they don't get to a Super Bowl, do they have a uh, do they have that window to believe that they're going to be back again the following year? I don't know. I don't know if they do. But one thing is certain that the Dallas Cowboys are huffing and puffing. They are breathing on the necks of the Philadelphia Eagles and Now, the only benefit for the Eagles is they have the easiest three games remaining as opposed to San Francisco, as opposed to Dallas. They do. But you put it all into perspective. And these Philadelphia Eagles don't look, obviously, like the Eagles of last year, but they don't look like a contender right now. They've not only played a bad game, and this isn't me throwing everything into the wind. This is me analyzing, analyzing this Eagles team that has escaped with the victory time and time again when their luck finally ran out against San Francisco, and then they faced Dallas, and that got smacked in their face, and now the Seattle Seahawks. But before that, they should have lost to the Buffalo Bills. They should have. The Bills weren't able to win that game. But that is the perspective of the Philadelphia Eagles. Is This isn't just the first time that you look at this team and you don't believe that they are Super Bowl-caliber team. Should have lost to Buffalo. Had a really close game against a bad Kansas City team and won 21-17. The only convincing win that the Philadelphia Eagles have so far this season is against the Miami Dolphins. That's the only convincing win they have so far this season, and that was a 31-17 game at home. So interesting to see. We'll take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to the Jose Gonzalez Show. You say yes, I say no. You say stop, and I say go, go, go. Oh, no. You 
Jose Gonzalez Show, Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. and on Fridays, beginning at noon on your local sports leader, 1430 ESPN. We are live from uh, the meat market, 454 West Alluvial Avenue here in Fresno, California. Greatly appreciate every single one of you for joining us and for tuning in and for uh, coming out and checking us out here at uh, the meat market. And I, you know, some of you are like, wait, what do you mean? No, no, no. Just coming out, hanging out, um, signing up for the San Jose Sharks tickets <clears throat> that we are giving away, as well as uh, a young uh, young man was able to get some trading cards that I brought just in case uh, we got any youngsters. And we did. Got him a couple of uh, training cards that are uh, pre-packed here from the San Jose Sharks. Um, so, again, shout-out to him, and uh, shout-out to every single one of you to come out here at the Tri-Tip Tuesday. Twenty nine ninety nine is the price of the large Tri-Tip that they will cut, uh, the Tri-Tip that they will cut, and uh, also a large side and a two-liter Pepsi that you get as well. The 100 feet of meat as well here at the meat market, sauces, spices, all of the above, um, and, uh, again, check it out here. Um, with that being said, just before we end the show for today, coming up at 2 o'clock, it is going to be Sportsline, the Bulldog Hour with the man Tony D. Coming up at 3 o'clock, it's going to be Home Field Advantage with Gabe Camarillo. And then later on tonight, the Los Angeles Lakers on your radios. Uh, so after planting the rest of your day here on 1430 ESPN, I want to also remind you that coming up, on Friday, we will be off. It is uh, um, the last day of uh, the uh, of the year for me on Thursday. I won't be back on Friday. I'll come back on January 2nd. So just giving you guys that little bit of heads up. Coming up tomorrow, we're back on your radios at 7 a.m. <coughs> Gus will be joining us. Pardon me, that's Wednesday. Not Gus. Stephen Haglund will be joining us top of hour number two. Then top of hour number three, we get the return of Sir Casey Pratt, ABC7 in San Francisco. Casey will join us to talk about the 49ers, and we'll also uh, talk to him about the Golden State Warriors. Where are the Warriors currently on that list of NBA teams that can turn it around? We'll talk to him about that, and we'll also dive a little bit with the Oakland A's, as we always do, because it's Casey Pratt, ABC7 in San Francisco, and he is the absolute authority on all Oakland athletics coverage in the bay area um so again that is coming up this week and then thursday we have another special guest joining us on the show so make sure that you are tuning in for that as well all right with that all being said we are gonna say thank you for joining us here on the show again we might be taken up, but you can come and check out the meat market 454 west alluvial avenue here in fresno california tri-tip tuesday it's all day and you can get your tri-tip special, $29.99, large tri-tip, large side, and, of course, the two-liter Pepsi that you get with it. Coming up next, it is Sportsline, the Bulldog Hour at 3 o'clock, home field advantage. Big thank you to Joe here live um, on site, and a big thank you to Jorge back in studios, keeping us going in the right direction, and a big thank you to all of you. I'll talk to you mañana at 7 a.m. You've been listening to the Jose Gonzalez Show, 1430 ESPN. Until next time.